It's so great to be able to speak to you this morning. Thank you so much for your prayers and encouragement uh, for me, Hannah, Isaac, um, and Baby. It's so great to be part of a family here uh, at St. Thomas Crooks and feel the love and support and the prayers. And we are so grateful for you guys. And we know you're going to be cheering us on for the next part of our story. Um, it's been a long story uh, to get to this point, standing in front of you, you know, being announced to go and lead a church in a city center in the north. Uh, it's a wild ride that God takes you on, right? And there's lots of scary steps along the way, lots of things that have felt like there's no way I could do that, God. There's no way I could do that. There's no way I could do that. But he has his, his way of just gently calling us forward one step at a time. Uh, and then you end up being put in charge of a big building and it's terrifying. Uh, but, but what's encouraging is that the Lord, he, he speaks through so many different people, so many different things. Um, but what we're focusing on at the moment is the big picture, right, for the city. That's the big picture of what we're looking at at St. Thomas Crooks. And in my life, over the past few years, he's kind of drawn me along by showing me the bigger picture uh, in, in lots and lots of different ways. But for me personally, the bigger picture has looked like, you know, why are you here? What are you called to? What has the Lord placed in your hands? Uh, and what is the bigger vision? What's the bigger picture, Luke? Like, look up. Uh, I was, when we were looking for where to go to train to do a curacy, I was like, okay, what are the best big evangelical charismatic churches? How long can I stay there for? Maybe I could get an associate role and just chill out for a bit. Um, and God, I had three text messages on one same day. I got the first one when I was on one church's website thinking, oh, I could do that. Uh, saying, Luke, don't remember your calling. It's not about the easy life. Like, God is calling you to step out. Um, and so when I eventually got to speak to Tom Finnamore, I was really excited when he started to talk to me about um, the opportunity to be a planting curate, so to come to St. Thomas Crooks with the purpose to go out into the city of Sheffield. Uh, and having this big kingdom vision for the city really captured my soul, captured my spirit, because it was everything that God was kind of sowing in my heart about transformation. You know, what would it look like to go to a church that was in a wealthy pocket of a city? And if you know anything about Sheffield, like the wealth is, is pretty concentrated. It's a pretty crazy scene when you look at the wealth divide and when you look at where all of the bigger churches are they kind of gravitate in the pocket uh, and what would it look like to take some resource and to go out into the city and to be a place that can be a beacon of hope in a place that might feel hopeless to so many uh, and don't get me wrong I S10 what a place to live oh my gosh cloud coffee the little pastel donatas from Lisboa Ben Harley Mason on the keys every Sunday oh I love it here. And uh, I, I remember when we first arrived, I went for a run and I mapped my route without checking where the hills were. <laughs> and I was like running up Hag Hill thinking, this is how I go. This is, the la this is it. Uh, but I remember running through the leafy streets, uh, suburban, big houses, looking over that, the Rivlin Valley, just thinking, this is amazing. And I just felt this, this voice say, like, this is not why you're here. Like, this is not what we've called you for. Like, don't, don't lose sight of the big picture. You're here for a season. You're here to grow. You're here to learn. But we're here for the city. Um, and if you're called to S10, like, S10 needs Jesus just as much as the rest of Sheffield. And it's so important to hear where God is calling you. Um, but as I've been kind of grieving this, uh, you know, you're being sent out. You're not going to be near Lisboa anymore. Um, 
the God, this year the Lord has been teaching me that the good news is come and die. <laughs> like that's the encouragement I've had this year. The Lord just saying to me again and again, the good news is come and die. Uh, and so that you might live. And that is the big picture that's kind of called me forward over the past eight years or so of discernment. But we want to stop and look at the big picture here at St. Thomas Crooks, right? And we are a church for the city. And this simple statement is the reason why we're here, to seek Jesus and to seek his kingdom coming in our lives and in the world that's around us. And we've been using language of exiles and ambassadors as we are citizens of heaven, living in a place where most people don't recognize who Jesus is. And we are called to be that bridge between the kingdom and where we live, like the the two cities thing that St. Augustine talks about. And the prophet Jeremiah puts it this way. He says, put down roots, seek the peace and prosperity of the city that I have placed you in. Pray for it and work for its welfare. And this is a beautiful image, isn't it? It's a compelling vision. Uh, I think it's a big, it's a beautiful big picture. And some of us, we hear it, we're like, let's go. I'm in, let's make Sheffield great again. Sign me up. And uh, some of us hear that vision and they think, cool, cool, cool. I've got some questions. Uh, how? How are you planning to do that? Uh, how could I join in with that? Like, what could I actually, you know, for, for the city, come on. Like, we're not even scratching uh, crooks. Like, what's going on there? So I want us to just pause, just invite the Spirit for a moment of reflection. And I want you to, me want to close your eyes, just want you to imagine, what does in Sheffield as it is in heaven mean to you? What comes into your mind? What kingdom dreams do you have? How do you connect with that vision for the city? What part do you perceive that you can play? And what are the things that disqualify you in your mind? And I think those are really important questions to be asking, right? To be praying about, to be thinking about, to be dreaming, having your eyes open. Um, but it's right to question, what, what is the big picture? How do we get there? Because it's impossible without the Lord, right? For the city, you know, you can forget it if we're not going to invite the Lord on the journey. But the good news is the Lord is on the journey. We've got the Father who, uh, and we've got the Son, we've got the Holy Spirit, we've got the Word of God to guide us each day. Uh, and the other gift that we have is this gift of family. As we see on that beautiful display uh, that Rachel's pulled together this week, we are a family and we want to be a family of hope. The Lord gives us brothers and sisters in Christ because we cannot do it alone. We cannot be mercenaries, you know, going out for personal gain to see our ministries come to fruition. We have to do this as family. And that is what we are settled on doing here um, because we want to see the city transformed. And as we explore the fact that we're a family of hope, over the next few weeks, we want to follow another family, a very small family, just two of them, uh, through the Old Testament who had a vision for a city that they were in, uh, but they couldn't see how they were going to lead it to transformation. Uh, And in the end, they saw thousands and thousands of lives changed simply because they gave God their yes. You see, after the Babylonian exile, where we hear that 
passage from Jeremiah, you know, seek the prosperity of the city where you are taken from. The Jews were exiled to Babylon. And then a lot of the Jews went back to Jerusalem with Nehemiah and Ezra to rebuild the city. But quite a lot of Jews stayed. And in that time, the Persians overtook the Babylonians and it became the Persian Empire. And in that time, we see two people, Esther and Mordecai, who were cousins, uh, living in this city. And the book of Esther tells us uh, that they were living in a place called Susa. And over the course of 10 short chapters in Esther, and we're not going to be able to go through them in great depth, so please read them at home, go through it with your table, check out the Bible Project video, um, sit in the story. But over those 10 weeks, we see God's providence and God's transformation unfold in this simple story of two key characters saying yes to Jesus, saying yes to God. And I think the simple challenge in Esther that we want to consider is, are you willing to let the Lord use you to help transform a city? I think that's the simple question, and God wants our simple yes. You see, Esther and Mordecai, they find themselves in arguably an even more precarious position than you find yourself today, right? So you can forget COVID, flash floods, cost of living, um, climate crisis, Sheffield United and Sheffield Wednesday possibly getting relegated this year. You can forget all of that. Esther and Mordecai, they face threat of extinction, right? So there's um, a decree goes out across the whole empire that all Jews will be executed on one particular day, right? So the king and one of his associates called Haman come up with this plan that on this particular day, all Jews will be killed, And we're going to look at Mordecai's response at the start of chapter 4. Mordecai says this. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes. He put on sackcloth and ashes and he went out into the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. In every province to which the edict and order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews. With fasting, weeping, and wailing, many lay in sackcloth and ashes. And I think this is a really interesting little passage that we can learn from. Because Mordecai's heart and the heart of the people who were there weeping, fasting, wailing in the streets, like, they are recognizing the seriousness of the reality that they live in, right? They're not self-medicating. They're not just like, right, let me just watch a series on Netflix and then we can think about the problem. Like, they're not hiding away from it. They are meeting it head on, right? Bring me the sackcloth, bring me the ashes. They're wailing through the streets, this public display of grief that is not in our culture, but they're bringing lament, they're fasting, they see the significance of what's about to happen. And I think sometimes we just so, we lose sight of that so easily. It's so easy to just be in our own little bubble. Let's just think about today. Uh, And Jesus even says that himself. But it's important to think about the big picture. Why are we here? What is the reality? And meet that with the appropriate uh, response. And in Mordecai's case, it is grief. Now, meanwhile, in the story, we've got Mordecai there griefing. Uh, We've got Esther, and it's a bit of a leap in the story, but she's actually become the queen. (laughs) She's taken part in a beauty contest, and she's now in the palace. 
so I'll, that's, that's the story. <laughs> Go and read it for yourself. But she wants to make a difference, right? Queen Esther wants to make a difference. She doesn't want to see her people killed, but she's got a bit of a predicament. You see, Esther serves a king who is a bit unhinged, right? He loves to kill people. That's, it's one of his character flaws. So him and his mate, they've, his friend got a bit offended by a Jewish guy, so they thought, let's just kill all the Jews in the world. So that's where they're at. Um, Esther hadn't been summoned into his presence for 30 days. So although she's his queen, she hasn't seen him for a month, right? And if you go into the king's headquarters when he hasn't summoned you, guess what he does? Kills you. Uh, And if you challenge one of his decrees, guess what he does? He kills you, right? So she is in a bit of a sticky situation. And she feels stuck. She feels helpless. She feels fully aware of the inbound tragedy that's arriving, but she feels completely unaware of how she can do anything about it. And as I wrote that sentence in my notes, I just felt the Spirit say that there are people sat here today with that same heart. You see what's coming. You see and all kind of issues, problems, things that you're dealing with, and you feel stuck. You think, I cannot help. I'm helpless. I don't know how to do what I need to do to make this go away. And if that's you, I just pray right now the peace of the Lord would rest upon you. I'd love to pray for you at the end. Um, but if you're feeling stuck, let's take heart from Esther, who who leans into what the Lord is going to do. And let's hear how Mordecai encourages Esther, who's in that space. So Mordecai says in verse 12, Esther, do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews, it will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And Mordecai is is posing this question to Esther. Well, what happens if you stay silent, Esther? What happens if you choose not to engage? He's calling Esther to action. He's calling her to examine the situation and to engage. And what I think is so beautiful about that little passage is that Mordecai, he recognizes the sovereignty of God. He says relief and deliverance, it will arise because he knows that's the kind of God that he serves. He knows the Abrahamic promises. He knows that God is going to use the Jewish people to bless the whole world. And the Lord will return in all of his glory. But he doesn't say for one second that God's sovereignty is an excuse for not acting. He says, you are here for such a time as this. God will do it, but that's not the point. You're here. You're now. Let's engage. Let's press in. And it may seem bleak. Uh, the situation that we might be in. Your situation may seem impossible. Reaching the city of Sheffield may seem impossible. But what if? What if you were called to this church? What if we were called to this city for such a time as this? So where has the Lord placed you? What's the Lord placed in your hands? How are you going to offer yourself to him? And how might you see transformation come through your simple offering, your simple yes? And you may be thinking, you know, that's all right for Esther. She was a queen. Uh, God 
Laura, you won't use me. Like, I'm not holy enough. I'm not in the right circles. I'm not in a position of power. W- what can I do? And let's just, just quickly look in at this, the character of Esther, because I can relate to her in many ways. You know, she may have been a queen, but she didn't have that power, did she? She, she didn't have access to the king. She was um, at risk personally. And she's not like Daniel and his mates in exile. You know, they're the holy brothers. We're not going to touch your food. We're going to be praying all the time. We're fasting every day. Esther, she was living in the harem. She spent years taking part in a beauty context test. She changed her name to be a Persian name so she would fit in. She's literally climbing the cultural ladder so that she can have a position of power. Like, it sounds like me at university. How can I fit in as much as possible with what's going on so that I can be well-liked and well-loved? Like, she's not this holy person who God's like, yeah, that's my agent of change because she's so great. But she sees where God's put her and she steps up when the time comes. So wherever you are now, wherever, however your year has been, let's understand that the God of redemption, he is inviting all of us to join in with his story. And so what we're going to do right now before we close, I'm just going to dig into this vision because many people have, uh, have suggested for the city, you know, what does that mean? How, how, you know, let's put some building blocks in. So what we want to do is look at three things that each of us can engage with, right? Three layers to the story, three vehicles with which we want to engage in changing this city. So we want us, as a group, we want, as a family of hope, can we love the city, love where you live, love where you are? And how are we going to do that? We'll love the city. We want to love our city through church planting, and we want to love our city through social action projects. So as I've already mentioned, Sheffield is a divided city. Church planting is an incredible way for us to build bridges to different parts of the city where there's different battles and different mountains being faced. Um, Less than 3% of Sheffield go to church. This is a very easy and practical way for us to reverse those numbers. You know, all the way from St. Paul to St. Rick Thorpe and St. John McGinley, church planting has been a key tool across the world. Uh, and as uh, this, is, this is significant, I'm obviously here to plant a church, and I feel very passionately that that is an, an important thing that we engage with. The second thing is social action, reaching our city. The needs are so great. Look outside, go for a walk down the street, go into town. The, there's visible need everywhere. And our welfare state has done so much good for so long, but it has been battered and bent out of shape and bent into a place where it does not match the need in our world. And so in light of the the poverty that people are pushed in through the cost of living crisis and everything else, there is a real opportunity for us to be a voice of hope in the lives of everyday people who are just facing enormous challenges. And there are simple ways we do that through food bank, uh, through debt centers, Christians Against Poverty, Baby Basics, Helping New Mums, Working with Vulnerable Women, uh, Working with Vulnerable Men, um, working in all kinds of places. But what else could we do? For such a time as this, what's on your heart? How could we see transformation and change? There's so much that we don't even scratch the surface of. You know, uh, refugee support, racial justice, creation care, prison ministry, the list is endless. You know, what might you bring to this city? What might the Lord place on your heart? So we want to love our city. We want to love where we live. 
Okay, we want to do that through our tables and our house churches. So our tables, our small groups, gathering weekly with people who live close to you around a table to pray for one another, to pray for our neighbours and to pray for the area in which we live. You know, how do we reach a city? Well, it could start with our neighbours. If everybody just focused on the six houses around them, pray for them, love them, serve them, befriend them, we would have a much more effective reach. And house churches, our vision is that as tables start to grow and light up in different little pockets, we can gather twos and threes and fours of tables in bigger, slightly bigger neighborhood kind of areas to seek the transformation, seek the kingdom of God in a slightly bigger place. And that, that could look amazing. We pool our creativity, we pool our resource. There's, it's limitless what we can do. You know, whether it's running a, a street party, there's a few um, fireworks gatherings that have happened this weekend. Whether it's a worship and prayer night, localized social action, supporting people, you know, in real, real trouble, decorating someone's home, a community garden, clearing up fly tipping spots, whatever it might be. What are your kingdom dreams for your neighborhood? And how can we uh, get involved with that? Loving where we live. And finally, we want to love where we are. We want to be ambassadors of hope, ambassadors of Christ as exiles living in the real world. Because for too long, the church has put professional Christianity on a pedestal, right? We have held up and lauded Christian work that's paid as the pinnacle of ministry and mission. And I want to say we're sorry where we've done that, that that is not the biblical narrative. That is not what Paul talks about. That's not what Jesus talks about. Everybody has a role to play. And Jesus has placed each of us in a specific place because he has a story to tell through the life that we live. So whether that's at the school gates, working in local politics, walking your dog at university, talking to someone in a shop, at your engineering job, wherever it might be, the call is to go and make disciples of all nations, to be a light for Christ in and around you in the context in which you find yourself. So we want to invite you to love your city, love where you live, and love where you are. We see these as the vehicles for which we can do our simple vision to be for the city. And we are all invited as a family of hope. So these are our vehicles, right? And I had to choose a vehicle, so obviously I went for a rocket ship. They got a mixed response from the staff team, but I hope you back it. Um, and we were talking about different metaphors we can use to make this a bit digestible. Uh, and we want to talk about the vehicles with which we go and the fuel that carries these vehicles, right? These, uh, our rocket ship doesn't run on friendship. Uh, it does run on prayer. But uh, there's some other things involved as well. Um, so the fuel that comes from... It comes from all of us to help us love our city, love where we live, and love where we are. And that is to belong, to serve, and to give. So we want to invite you to belong here at St. Thomas Crooks. Because family starts with belonging. It's one of our basic human needs. And when we experience it in the right way, when we experience it with Christ at the center, it's life-changing. It's been transformative for me, I'm sure for many of you, when we belong to a family of God, things happen. Lives are changed. And you, it's so much hard. Like, if you want to invite people into the gospel, you've got to belong to a family of Christ because that's what we're inviting people into. And belonging is absolutely key. So come on a Sunday. Join a table. 
get involved. Be bold in talking to people at church, inviting people to your home. Can we meet up? Uh, like engage, build friendships, invest. The second thing is to serve. I want to invite you to serve at St. Thomas Crooks. You know, family functions on helping one another, right? When there's a meal, someone goes to the shop, someone prepares the food, someone does the cooking, someone does the washing up, someone lays the table. You might do all those things in your house. God bless you if that's you. Um, But there's a lot of us to feed and we all need to muck in to make this happen. Uh, For some of us, this is easy and very natural. For others, this is really challenging and daunting. And so whether it is a small thing that you do once a month, once every two months, um, once every six months, or whether it's something that you're in and you do every week, um, serve to belong. Like it's part of being a family, whether it's big or whether it's small, and whether it's as little as doing a little litter pick uh, when you're on your way once a year, like get involved. That's what it means to be part of the family. And finally, give. This is the third part, the third piece of the, the puzzle, the fuel that helps uh, the rocket fly into outer space. Uh, family is sustained by generosity. You know, it's about mutually giving of ourselves for the collective. Uh, and that comes in lots of different shapes and sizes. But I want to encourage you to financially get behind the vision for St. Thomas Crooks to be for the city because it will require finances to see our city, our neighborhoods, and where we are transformed. There's this biblical principle of first fruits, which encourages us uh, to give the first fruits of our harvest. What the Lord has given, we first give back to him because we acknowledge that everything comes from him and it is all his in the first place. And so let's lean into that uh, and support financially. And I would love to invite the band to come back up and we're going to respond to this vision. Um, So what... What part are you going to play as, as a member of this family of hope? As somebody who sits there here in St. Thomas Crooks, you may be here for the first time, you may have been here for a long, long time, but we want to impact a whole city. Uh, and what part are you going to play? And perhaps you've been called here for such a time as this, for your city, for your neighborhood, and for your everyday. So I'd love to invite you to stand if you're able, comfortable. And we're going to respond. I just wanted to speak to the, those of us who, who feel a bit uncomfortable uh, or feel like disqualified or that they don't believe in themselves. You know, the Bible is full of people who didn't believe in themselves. It's full of people who say, I can't do that. I couldn't do that. And the Lord simply just smiles and says, well, it's a good job I can. Because those people, they saw armies defeated, miracles happen, cities transformed. So what would it look like in our city if each one of us said yes to Jesus? What would it look like in our neighborhoods if we each said, you know what, Lord, I'm all in for my neighbors? What would it look like? What would we see in our everyday if we truly believed that God has placed us where we are for such a time as this? I just want to finish with this. There's a a war memorial outside St. John's Park, and it's a big stone cross, and it's got all the names of the parishioners who served in the great wars um, outside it. And I was praying with someone outside the church, and I was just standing by this cross and 
just felt the Lord say, you know, this is what it's all about. This is what the call is. It's all about my cross. It's the living sacrifice poured out for the kingdom of God. So are you in? You know, I know it's scary. Esther was scared to talk to the king. I'm pretty scared to lead a church in nine months' time. And you might be scared. You might have had a feeling rise up in you when I mentioned something specific about a neighborhood or uh, something in the city or church planting or, or in your everyday. So as we worship now, I just want you to offer that to Jesus. Give him your yes this morning and allow him to take care of the rest. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you stir our hearts? Would you speak to us? Lord, what are you calling us into?